Oh, there we go. There we go. I had some mic down. All right. Um, quick prayer. Thank you, God, that we can be here. We can praise you. We can have a good time here. Amen. I have a new song for you. I found this song. I think it's great. We'll find out how it goes. <laughs> Greg's laughing at me. All right. Uh, you're welcome to sit down or stand up or uh, do whatever you want. Uh, here we go. It is new, so I think you'll figure it out. My mind, it longs for thee. My soul, it knows what it needs. That your spirit would move in me. That your presence would pull me deep. I've encountered the spirit. The love of the Father felt my life in the Savior, and it changed me forever. I've encountered the goodness, felt the truth and the power. I've been saved by Jesus, I will praise Him forever. the spirit felt the love of the father find my life in the savior and it changed me forever i've encountered the goodness felt the truth and the power i've been saved by jesus i will praise him forever
shall prosper Lord just lead me and your goodness and your mercy they will follow Lord just lead me God in heaven and here am I on earth so I let my words be few Jesus I am so in love with you what's that one again God in heaven, and here am I on earth, so I'll let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you, and I'll stay.
Okay, I'm going to use this mic for a moment. Good morning. I, I got to tell you, I feel real weird standing up here and not in the, I'm not using all the bright lights. Anyway, I'm Harvey Curley. Uh, welcome to Genesis, particularly for those who have been here, are here for the first time. We welcome you and hope that you are comfortable. Um, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you would say, I just can't get started unless I have my cup of coffee? A lot. Well, this is what I say on Sunday morning. I just can't get started unless I go to church. I, I, that's my life, coming to this gorgeous sanctuary and being with all of my, my brothers and sisters. So you said use this for a minute. Does that mean I'm going to stand here? I'm going to get another microphone? I am? Okay. Uh, anyway. Um, In our red book, that in a pew that in front of you, uh, there's, a, there's a song in that, or a hymn if you want to call it a hymn, that, and it's for me. Uh, it's entitled, Slow Me Down, Lord. I have a problem, uh, not only being probably AA, uh, that I, I'm on full throttle all the time, all my life. And so I pray that I can slow down what do they say? Slow down and um, smell the roses? Isn't that what they say? So my prayer today, my ask that you would help would be to slow me down, Lord. Um, okay, we're going to do this differently. Don't be bashful. Come on up. There are, there are some of you who want to share what's in your life this week, this past week, and we want to hear it because, because we're all brothers and sisters, aren't we? Every one of us. You're my sister, you're my brother, and we, we can't pray for you, we can't celebrate with you unless we know what you want us to pray for and what we should celebrate with you. So come on up, come on up, come on. I'm going to post something right down, I know I am. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, show of hands, here comes somebody. All right, uh, thank you. Anna. Okay. Good morning. Don't trip. That would be bad. Uh, my name is Hannah. Good morning, everyone. Um, I wanted to share something that kind of popped into my head over the last couple of weeks, and I haven't been here and hadn't had an opportunity to share. So I preface this by saying, it, this may or may not be from the Lord. It may or may not be for anyone else other than me, but in an act of uh, corporate sharing, I wanted to just offer up something that I've recently uh, began to understand differently. Um, I stepped into a uh, educational experience at 
a faith community different than here for the purposes of learning something just very specific that they were teaching. So I went to my mother-in-law's church. It's a familiar group that I have been a part of. I grew up in that space, um, but I haven't been a part of their actual community on a regular basis. And I was really uncomfortable uh, in the beginning going into it because they have some, um, and Nate helped me with this language, but some frameworks that I don't always know that I either agree with or appreciate as much. And so I was making this kind of very uh, substantial act to go back to a place that I had actually experienced a significant amount of hurt in to challenge the echo chamber that I am in here, which I'm not saying is wrong. I'm saying we all share a very similar uh, mindset about God and, and the way that we're going to live our lives and the values that we uphold. And there is some duality in that, whatever. I um, purposefully went into it knowing that there was gonna be some discomfort and I was gonna have some um, feelings of like, oh, this is rough. And I did it on purpose so that I could sit in that and challenge myself to listen, observe, and learn. And the thought came to me this morning, maybe somewhere that I, and I might be co-opting Brene Brown at this moment, but if you look for disapproval, if you look for discomfort, if you look for the thing that you disagree with, you're gonna find it. We could find it here, we could find it in a different community, right? Like I could go into any environment, any opportunity that's a, a, a shared space and go, I'm gonna look for the thing that's wrong, or you can go into it and look for the thing that you might learn for yourself, or the thing that you might pick up or inherit or absorb from the Lord or from God or from that experience, right? So um, probably around this time, seven years ago is the first time we came to Genesis and I came in the door looking for hurt, looking for um, rebuke, looking for condemnation, looking for somebody to tell me I had done it wrong, I believed it wrong, my interactions with God were wrong, and I didn't find that, and then I stayed, <laughs> and then I kept staying, and we're here, right? So I'm not finding that here. I'm finding lots of things here, but I'm not finding the hurt, I'm not finding the disapproval. So I could have come in seven years ago looking for healing. It found me regardless of what I came in looking for, but I just felt the Lord maybe encouraging us to um, think about what we're looking for and as a habit, like what are you looking for when you go into spaces, when you go into arguments, when you go into, I don't know, holiday dinner with your family, insert discomfort experience, but what are you looking for? Are you looking for opportunity to heal and grow? Or are you looking for the hurt? Are you looking for the thing? I think you get it. That's my point. Now if I can get down. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes? I won't. You've got to help me down, though. Okay. All right. Now look. Before we go any further, I don't, need, I don't need help going down because I'm 86. I need to go down because I'm going to get my right knee ch changed, changed, <laughs> replaced at any, at any week. So that's why I'm limping around. Um, show of hands, who would like to 
share something with us. <clears throat> yes. Jesse. Hi, I'm Jesse. Um, I've been uh, coming to the church here for 23 years. Uh, not this building, of course, we traveled around. But uh, so I just got a job ticket. And before I went out there, I feel like my reputation kind of preceded me. And uh, they called the job off. So they, they found me another job, but I just want to encourage myself and everybody else that, uh, that God is going to intervene and, and change things and redirect to make things work for you the best that he can. And I've got a, a reputation for being a strong Christian. So that could be part of the reason that I, that I got turned away and so I should rejoice and that my riches in heaven are great. Thank you. I, I, I know that all of us, it's been a tough week. It's been a terrible week for the people in Michigan State and that all of our prayers should be pointed toward the tens of thousands of students and parents who have lost loved ones and uh, the parents of the child who is now paralyzed from the waist down, that he'll never walk again. So, you know, we can, we can pray for, uh, you know, warm weather because I want to do something or whatever you want to do, but our first prayer has got to be, Lord, be with all the folks in Michigan State that all of the trauma that they had to go through would be wiped away by counseling, Lord. Anybody else? Oh, did you really? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> so this is a, a fairly good segue because I was going the same direction you did. Um, <clears throat> When all the Monday night events transpired, our Board of Education was in the middle of a very, very, very heated debate over things that, in the grand scheme of things, are so trivial and irrelevant and petty. Um, we, our superintendent shut down the meeting very promptly when he finally had an opening because of what was going on at MSU. And in Gross Point, we have ties to all three of the students that lost their lives. One was a North grad, one was a Gross Point South grad, and the third was the goddaughter of a teacher at Gross Point North. So we, as a community, are really hurting right now. Um, going to school the following day and just seeing how desensitized kids are right now to what's going on. And this is not me getting political by any means. I, I always say I hate all politicians equally, regardless of party affiliation. Um, except for Harvey, I, I love you, man. <laughs> you might be the exception. <laughs> yes. But what, what I wanna say is anybody that watches the news knows how divided 
the gross point community is right now. You don't have to look far. But it is nice right now to see people that don't typically communicate with civility having conversations that are forward thinking. Uh, it's nice seeing kids that are on both sides of different political affiliations coming to common ground in the middle, in the midst of tragedy. And I know that regardless, the, the three kids that are no longer in this earthly world with us are in a far better place than I would say our country is in right now. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So um, we do appreciate your prayers. We do appreciate your thoughts. And um, here's to brighter days. Okay, and anybody else? Um, yes, yes, there we go. So my name's Ed. This is my third week here. And um, I would say that I've been a COVID churchgoer for two years, two and a half years, thinking I was doing okay you know, with that. I'm a volunteer at UAD Jesuit. I'm in men's Bible studies. I do all those things but I was not part of a corporate Christian community. And I really could start to feel the impact of that on my life. I wasn't quite as close to God. I wasn't frequently enough reaching out to him. I wasn't checking in. And I have to say in three weeks, I really feel like I'm home. I, I salute your commitment to inclusivity because so many churches don't do that. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know some of you, uh, to get to know Bo and, and um, Dan and some others. And I, I see it here. So kudos to you. I feel like I'm home. Thank you very much. Amen. This is fun. <laughs> I've had a good time. Um, what? Yes. Oh, I can. I can. You're going to come to me. <laughs> Pastor. So I was this week, Nate sent me a podcast. It was a, it's a Richard Rohr conversation where they have other um, people like engaging the conversation with him. Richard Rohr is such a deep thinker. I can sometimes not fathom all that he's saying. And it was really helpful to have other voices, but I, I loved it. And at the end, he was talking about sorrow and self-pity. And he was like, what keeps me from self-pity is this collective idea, a collective idea of sorrow and pain and suffering. And so I, I have suffering, and, and a lot of you do too. And so even this last week with Michigan State, but also too with the earthquakes in Turkey in Syria, I haven't, I, I can't even think about it. Do anybody else kind of like knowing that there was people in rubble alive for days and alone? I, I, I couldn't fathom that kind of sorrow that kind of place. Um, and what Richard Rohr was encouraging was like with my sorrow and everyone else's sorrow to come collectively and with my prayers being like, we are hurting God, help. And so I can, I can bring my sorrow with them. So it doesn't minimize my sorrow, which I can tend to do. If someone else's sorrow is like bigger than mine, I minimize it. Anybody else sort of there? Um, but it's a collective sorrow. And then I can be like, no, I can, I can join with sorrow way bigger than mine and also sorrow way smaller than mine or 
also relative, but I can join in and I'm not alone. And I, and that for me was just huge this week in feeling like what to do with sorrow and, and mourning to take that collective posture. I know it sounds a little bit weird, but for me, it's just been, God, we are sad. God, we are hurting. And my we was this we worldwide. And so I don't know if you can resonate with that, <laughs> with world sorrow. And, ble- you know, like when we were looking at the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And we're like, okay, let it be. So that was, that was my encouragement. And so uh, as I shared this word of God grabbing us and us ex- is um, being in sorrow, if you're in sorrow too, you got a little bit or a lot, could we, could we just say, God, here's our sorrow. God, help us in our sorrow. So are you, anybody else carrying that as I am? Would, could we stand collectively and, and include the world in our prayer? So would you join me in my sorrow and I'll join you in yours? And we'll join the people in Syria and in Turkey and in MSU and in every other nook and cranny that's experiencing that, right? Because there's not a person alive who's probably not in it. And so with that, Lord, we are sad. We are hurting. We are in pain. We are living with uncertainty. We are mourning. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Anyone else? Anyone else that you get in your car and they're going to say, I thought you wanted to say something, but you didn't, you coward. So for the cowards, raise your hand. Hi, just quickly, I have two grandchildren who are uh, students at Michigan State. And so that night, I'm texting back and forth with their mothers and, you know, so frightening. Um, they, They live in houses just off campus, two different houses, and they had locked themselves in. But, you know, it's terrifying. And um, I think, you know, um, you know, we pray for God to direct where they should go to school. One of the girls uh, who was killed, Alex, uh, had taken classes with my one grandson who was there. Her grandparents are friends of mine. Her mother grew up with my daughters. So um, that, that was the one connection that I had to those kids. But it's just terrifying. And I appreciated the fact that University of Michigan and other places uh, were wearing t-shirts or having hats or something saying that they were in solidarity with this school. So there are 50,000 students at Michigan State. Uh, Maybe about 20,000 live on campus, but it's just so um, hard to understand. 
And so anyway, I'm just, of course, I'm very thankful. I'm sad for them. I'm thankful and grateful that my kids are fine. Um, and, um, but they're nervous about going back to school tomorrow. And it's just, it just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but it is. And God knows and God's taking care of us. So I'm just, I'm just grateful. Amen. Okay, I, I'm, a, I'm about to sit down. Anybody? <laughs> I don't want to sit down. I'm having too much fun. Um, last thing, those of you who know me, I'm a hugger. I love to hug. And I've already eyeballed 14, well, 15, 15 people who I'm going to hug. And um, if you, I'm going to have a hugging booth right outside in the hallway. So if no charge. So if you want to be hugged by Harvey, uh, now's your chance because I don't know how long I'm going to be around. Uh, God bless and uh, let's enjoy the rest of the service. Amen. You guys want to stand up? Thank you, Harvey. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Nothing else to me save that thou art. Thou
Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ashley. If you're wondering why I'm wearing this ridiculous jacket, it's because I have both impeccable taste and forward thinking, and also Harvey told me I look like a superhero, so I was going to use those powers to try to not mess up the announcements this morning. So um, if you're new to the church, uh, please take a moment to let us get to know you by, sorry, only got one good working hand, filling out the uh, physical green card, which is in the pew in front of you, or online. Um, you can... Uh, Text us at 94000, uh, text new to Genesis if you're not already in the uh, text blast. It's not up on the screen, but maybe it shows up for folks online. Um, we'd like to get to know you. It's got some contact information on there. And also, if you'd like to uh, request prayer or, or pray for somebody, either with the, uh, the leadership staff, uh, perfectly anonymous, or um, with the church at large. Uh, for the gr physical green card, you can place that in the wooden box. Um, at the back of the sanctuary, and that's also where you can place any offerings that you've brought if you, if you brought them with you. And I want to thank everybody that does give um, either physically or, or online or via text. So uh, as we move into the Lenten season, we'll be having a service here on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., uh, so please feel free to join us there. And then if you uh, are unable to attend that or would like another way to follow um, the Lenten season a little more regularly, uh, we will be publishing um, uh, prayers and questions uh, via a calendar, either on iPhone or in Google Calendar, and you can use those prayers and questions uh, to help us expand and deepen our, our spiritual walk throughout Lent. Uh, so go ahead and subscribe to that. It's only uh, the prayers and questions for the Lent season. It's not all the church's activities, so your phones won't be blowing up all week. Um, if you're in interested in joining a small group for the Lent season, um, please go ahead and mark it on the green card that I mentioned earlier, either physically or, or uh, digitally. And we've also got sign-up sheets in the lobby uh, for, at the small group table if you'd like to sign up there today. And going off script a little bit here, I did want to say, Ed, what, what you said a little bit earlier really resonated with me. I had a, a very similar experience years ago and came in looking for inclusion for a, a family, not just sitting in a 5,000 people church and uh, sinking into the background. So folks online, um, folks that have thought about coming to the church and maybe know someone here, um, that's been a real good experience. We're seeing that in, in folks that are attending. So I, I'd encourage you to come and, and make this part of your family because uh, that's how it feels for me too. So thank you for sharing that earlier, Ed. Um, and with that, uh, I'll go ahead and release the middle schools and uh, uh, middle schoolers, excuse me, and is Amanda here by chance? Amanda Conley Hines? No? All right. Well, she was going to give uh, Harvey a run for his money and hugging people. She's a great hugger. So if you do need a hug, find Harvey for uh, connection time. Meet somebody new. Say hi to folks that you already know. And welcome to Genesis. Thanks.
Check. Hey. Ooh. Check one, two. I think all the EQ got lost. Check one, two. Hi there. Hey, oh. I should have some warm honey mids in there. Mm. All the mids are gone. So, oh, domo erogato, Mr. Robato. Check. You see those, Tom, or do you need to look at it real quick? You're good? Okay, check one, two, hey. Check one, two, hey. Good morning, checking it. Checking it before we're wrecking it. Is that better for you? Check one, two, hey. One, two, one, two. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Better for you? Still sounds like I'm in a cave. Check, which is fitting for this sermon. One, hey, one, two, check, one, two, one, two. My heart rate's raising. Check, one, two, hey. Checking it. Do you want, do you want me to switch to something? Not the wireless handheld, because it sounds as good? Uh the base Hello? All right, I might have to move up here because I don't think I have much cable. Check one, two. All right. Uh, so they say that uh, cancer in your bladder is a sign of resentment. So that's interesting. Self-confession before we start. All right, let's pray. Oh, I can hear this. You good? Thank you, Tom. Let's pray. So, Lord, uh, thank you for time to be together. Help us to breathe, to reset, and to encounter you. That is our intention this morning, to encounter you. And we have been since we've been in this place. And so I ask, Lord, that you would continue to be real sweet and generous towards us this morning, that we would experience your presence and your spirit and your words to us. And so I say, oh, Holy Spirit, more of you. And we submit and yield to your plans for this morning. They're better than ours. So we consent. 
We pray in Christ's name, amen. Good morning to you. We are in the last Sunday of Epiphany, and Epiphany kind of takes us on this journey, and this is literally the climax of that journey, and today's text takes us to a mountaintop, and we find a story of Jesus's transfiguration, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17. We'll be bouncing around a little bit, but if you have your Bible or your phone, um, I would encourage you to follow along because you can make notes. I'm going to be using the uh, ESV for us this morning. So Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. What does that mean? His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So some have referenced this as like a shared vision experience. Some have said Moses and Elijah were apparitions. Some have said that they were all in a meditative trance. Verse 4, And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So, most of you know the last three weeks for me have been a little bit, uh, 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 what would we say, heavy. And so um, I text Bo and I was like, hey, you want me to preach on Sunday? Because I can take that off your plate. And then he's like, yeah, here, here's the text. And then, so I got the text, which was this Matthew 17. And I texted him back and I was like, how about we have Dan or Sharon preach on Sunday? And then I'll, I'll pick up like a different text later. Uh, but I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I got the opportunity um, to actually wrestle with this text. So I'm still in process. Check. Hello? <laughs> it's like I'm on the Muppet Show. <laughs> Am I supposed to do something, Tom? You're good? Oh, okay, I'll just wait for it. Ha, <laughs> ha, 
there's a ton of mysticism in the Bible. And I think that people have often tried to lean into being correct as opposed to leaning into being curious. So with this text, you can go online and you will find a million pastors telling you what exactly happened in this text. I refuse to do that. I absolutely refuse to do it. I feel like sometimes people are functioning from a position of anxiety because they don't know what to do with discomfort that they have with Scripture. And so they try to overpower it and say, this is exactly what this is. I try to embrace mysticism. I mean, I practice yoga, so that's a piece of it. But I find the mysticism in the Bible to be beautiful and compelling and complex and actually what can draw people to want to know the heart of God. And this text is begging for this type of high-level question to be asked. So are you ready for it? This super high-level exegation of Scripture. You guys ready to get like super high-level about this text? Here it is. In verse 1, the big question, the crux of this whole text Six days after what? Verse 1 says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. What happened six days before? Why, why is it so important that Matthew actually puts it in the gospel as a marker six days prior Jesus foretells his death and resurrection it's Matthew 16 it says from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day rise again so the transfiguration happens six days after Jesus starts talking crazy that's the marker and Peter recognized it Matthew 16 starting at 22 it says, and Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. After six days, what happened six days ago? Jesus started talking crazy, 
And six days ago, Peter got in trouble. Peter got in trouble with Jesus. And continuing that text, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Six days after Jesus said, some will not taste death until they see Jesus in his glory, Matthew writes the fulfillment of that on the side of a mountain. That Peter, James, and John would see the glorious revealing of Jesus in fulfillment. It says Peter, James, and John then are led by Jesus to be by themselves. And I think sometimes we can read that and we're like, oh my gosh, they were special. I'm too curious for that. I think they were problematic. I think that Peter was quick to action out of his zeal and his uber protectionism. And I think James and John were a little bit power hungry. What should we do, Jesus? Should we just wipe out this whole people group? Like, who, which one of us will be at your right and left? Hey, mom, come help. Like, I think, I think that Jesus took the problematic guys in the bunch and invited them into an amazing and intimate mystical encounter that they would be changed by. And somehow, Moses and Elijah show up and are talking with Jesus. Mystical. See, the story of Christ's transfiguration, the changing of his face, the clothing, it should probably strike us as a really weird story. The problem is that most of us, it's become very familiar. And it's not not neutral anymore. I mean, think about it. Jesus goes up on a mountain with three friends, meets two dead prophets, all while glowing in the dark. That's a weird story. Even the word transfiguration is a word that we never use except for with this story. <laughs> it's a mystical story. Moses being there is super surprising because he's dead. At least Elijah's death hadn't been confirmed yet because he rode on a chariot of fire up a whirlwind into heaven. You see, even the stories that get the people to the mountainside are mystical. <laughs> Both Moses and Elijah 
have stories of significant mysticism that involve mountains. Moses encountered God on a mountain in a way that his face became so radiant that he had to wear a veil in order for people to be able to interact with him. Exodus 33 says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing you've spoken I'll do, for you found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will pro proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed. Then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my backside. But my face shall not be seen. That's a mystical story. <laughs> In Exodus 34, it continues, Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets, three if you follow Mel Brooks, and the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. This transfiguration experience with Jesus would have sounded somewhat familiar to these three disciples. It's acting as a callback and it's placing Jesus in the company of the law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah, and now Jesus. As far as Elijah and mountains go, on Mount Carmel, Elijah had a supernatural encounter with the prophets of Baal. You might know the story, where they were testing God so they made sacrifices, and they drenched Elijah's sacrifices and flooded it and made a trench. And the scripture says that God licked up everything that they could throw at him with an amazing firestorm. In 1 Kings, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. All this to say, it would make sense to the disciples to connect Jesus to the mystical and the glorious stories of Moses and Elijah. Connecting Jesus then to the historic moments on mountains 
where God's glory was continually being revealed. Are you with me? Or am I like, okay. Because I think this is good. I, I like this. I like putting this one together. Here's uh, Richard Rohr's encouragement. We might do well to not get too distracted by the shiny object, the actual transfiguration, but instead to, instead to consider this text not as transfiguration day, but as declaration day, that God is declaring the belovedness of Jesus in both as man and as deity. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is an intentional callback to the baptism of Jesus where the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But there's a line that's been added. And we, in particular at Genesis, uphold the value of the line that was added. We call it a value of hearing and doing. But God added the line, listen to him. Listen to him. The idea of man intimately interacting with God is mystical. Do you understand that? <laughs> that is the definition of mysticism. And here we have God saying, listen to him. God's saying, Jesus speaks with authority. And it's my authority. Jesus speaks for me. Jesus and I are one. This is mystical. So six days after Jesus starts talking crazy, about Jerusalem and suffering and death and raising from the dead. And six days after Jesus told Peter to not be a Satan towards him, to stop being a hindrance, Peter gets to be party to hearing the divine disembodied voice that declares, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. So, of course, what does Peter do? He does what we all would do. Peter interrupts Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. <laughs> it's in the text. The three of them are talking. Peter walks up and is like, hey guys, um, I, I got an idea. And he offers to make shelters for them all. The thing that struck me was you can hear the desperation between the lines where Peter's saying, how about we just stay here? Six days earlier, Jesus had begun to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, being killed and on the third day raised. And Peter's like, how about we just stay here? 
It's safe. It's good. I get this. I can see Peter's love for Jesus in one hand. And I can also see Peter's protectionism trying to protect himself in the other hand. Because six days ago, Jesus had also told them the actual cost of picking up their crosses and following him. But this time when Peter acts before thinking and barges in on all the prophets talking, Jesus doesn't say, Peter, you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. No, instead, this time, God interrupts Peter. (laughs) Peter was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God audibly celebrates Jesus' belovedness and sonship in front of the disciples, and they hear it. This is mystical. And what is their response to this? They fell on their faces, and they were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. No one but Jesus. Jesus alone. Jesus before them as the glorified God-man, now somehow radiant. Jesus, the incarnate divinity, was just declared to be beloved by the voice of heaven, that God had become the very thing that God loved. And there's a specific directive. Listen to him. Listen to him. Here's the thing. If we track Peter's story from here out, we find that what Jesus has to say to him after this is pretty important and pretty powerful stuff. Shortly after this, Jesus says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before a rooster crows. And this crushes Peter, but it's true. And shortly after that, a resurrected Jesus says to Peter that he's fully forgiven and he's fully restored. And in fact, that Peter is gonna be the rock on which Jesus will build his church. This is completely mystical. See, the Bible's full of mysticism, 
And I think it's an invitation for us to come and to wrestle, to engage God. The mere idea that the God of the universe would actually speak to humans is a mystical concept. And a mystical concept that I fully endorse and that I encourage everyone trying. It actually leads me to my final question for us today, which is this, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? As I've been sitting with this text, this is what God's been saying to me. And it's about Peter. Peter's often a passionately misguided hothead. He's quick acting when it comes to protecting others. And though he acts in goodwill, sometimes Peter can be a bit extra. But Peter is also fiercely loved and pursued by Jesus. Peter reminds me a lot of myself. And if there's room in Jesus' entourage for Peter, then that means that there's room for me. And what God has been saying to me this week is, Nate, I can handle your extra. I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to get everything right. I'm still welcome. I'm still loved. And I still belong. Nate, I can handle your extra. So what are you hearing this morning? Perhaps you're like Peter and you feel problematic. But you're also hearing that you're worthy of God's love and investment. Perhaps you're hearing that you are fully forgiven. Perhaps you're hearing that God's going to build the church through you. Perhaps you're hearing for the first time that declaration of the belovedness of Jesus. And perhaps this morning you're feeling an invitation or a challenge to the words, listen to him. I don't get to dictate what you're hearing. And that's good. <laughs> but I do get to make space for it. So I want to make space right now just to listen. So take a pen, grab paper, open the notes on your phone, whatever it is. And lean in to ask God, what are you saying to me in this moment? 
So God, we invite your spirit to lead. We invite your spirit to break down barriers that we have, misunderstandings that we've had, resentments we've held on to. We ask for your voice to come to us, whether it's audible or whether it's a sense or whether it's a vision or a picture. We desire to hear from you. That we would be transfigured, that we would be changed. And so God, we rest in the fact that you are faithful to pursue and to love. And so in this moment, we pause and our intention is to hear from you. So if you feel like you heard a whisper, I know for me it sounds like my own voice in my head. So if don't discount even these little whispers. Tell you what you should discount if it's accusational. Yeah, if it if it sounds like death, if it sounds accusational, Jesus said, No, that's that's an enemy. <laughs> that's that's not me. The enemy, the thief comes and kills and steals and destroys. So if it had any hint of any of that kind of crap with it, like against you, accusational, um, that, 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 just take notice of that and say, oh yeah, that, that wasn't that, that was something else. But if it sounded kind, it sounded like a good shepherd, that's what Jesus said the voice will sound like, kindness, a good shepherd, one who will like get in the way when an enemy comes. Will stand in there and put his life in the middle. So that's what the good shepherd looks like. So if it sounded like that, even if it's not too big good to true, even if you're a little bit embarrassed, even if it felt cliche, take hold of it. Nothing wrong with that. And you can ask, you can just kind of hold it and be like, maybe, maybe, and write it down. Tell somebody that I think this could have been. Or maybe you heard it and were like, absolutely. It's okay. We can, we can hold it. But, but if we hold it loosely, we still want to take hold. Part of it is learning. And you got to take a chance to learn. And so we give you complete freedom. God gives you, like, like we're, permission doesn't come from us. God gives you complete freedom to get it wrong and not get in trouble. Other people might badmouth you, and, you know, humans do that kind of crap. God doesn't. So you've got freedom to get it wrong. But you're trying to get it wrong with this word from Jesus that said, a word from God that said, listen to Jesus. And so with that, I pray, my hope for me and for you is that we might just have even the courage to take hold Whatever we heard, even if to us it sounds crazy, a little bit scary, 
Or if you're like me, the cliche kind of is like, that's cliche, that can't be, you know, like you discount anything that sounds that way. Suspend all of that, because that's baggage and wound, and that's, that's some other stuff, and we all know it. So here's, um, if you heard something, share it with somebody. Like, yeah, we were doing this, and here's what I thought. And, and if you're comfortable, just use the language of maybe. I, I think I might have heard, this might be from God. I think it was this. That way we can share it. Take hold of it. Write, write it down so you won't lose it. So that maybe you could ponder it some more. For me, the couple of things that were just kind of grabbing my attention. Love Nate. Nate, thanks so much, Nate. That was so much fun and wonderful. I loved it. And um, I loved the idea of those disciples. And again, I, I've been curious about why Jesus invited them. And I, 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 gosh, I've heard it all the time. They're the special ones, right? They're the they're more intimate ones. And it's like, whoa, what, yeah, what if they were the more problematic ones? And that's where you get invited in. Did that make any of you problematic people be like, wait a minute. I could be invited closer. <laughs> I, I was told I was pushed away. I just think that's just a fun way for to maybe take hold of that. I love Jesus' words right after it. And I think there was something for these words, right? Get up. Don't be afraid. And maybe those are words I need to hear every morning, you know? Get up. Don't be afraid. And I think there's, for me, there was something in those words. So, God... You know how to take a small, small word and make it living. And so may you do that in my brothers and sisters and for me. May this word that we might have heard give life. And even if somebody didn't hear anything, could you be gracious that, they, that there would be a hearing sometime today that they would just see how near you are, how kind you are, how much you love them, how much you want to speak to them. And for all of us, those who are desperate, may even we open our mouths for those we know who are hurting. And if we could share something kind with them, or maybe even something like Hannah did when she came in with that word, may you fill our mouths with words that we might be able to share to each other. So may that be. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness. May our ears be open with listening. Amen. Um, so uh, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We've got it. We're, we're doing an Ash Wednesday gathering. If you've never been a part of that, uh, we, we invite you. It probably lasts 45 minutes, and we do have ashes. They are not human remains. <laughs> um, they're, they're palm branches that were burned from last year, and those are the ashes with some olive oil. And the thing will be you'll get marked with, a marked with the sign of the cross at the end. That's kind of the, the closing part of it. So we invite you to that. We, we have a number of um, readings and like um, liturgies. And we do need some people to help with some prayers and some readings. So if anybody's planning, like, hey, I, I, I was thinking about coming. Or just that you're like, there's an opportunity actually to do something, to participate in a really active way, not just to sit and be. Um, come grab me. We could use about five different, I think maybe four or five different people. So if you were planning to come and you're like, I don't mind reading something or, or doing a response and answer with the people, come grab me. Let me know. We could, we could use maybe four more voices if you're comfortable with that. We would love to see you. You can download the questions and the prayers for the Lenten season. And I, I think that was it. God bless you.
have a great rest of your Sunday and this week, and we hope to see you Wednesday in the start of Lent. Oh, and there's a hugging booth out in the lobby that our